It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We start our NFL draft preview with picks one through ten and other NFL news, Major League Baseball, early surprise team, and UConn national champs. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. RighteousFelon.com. Use promo code BELLYUP to get 15% off your purchase. Welcome into today's show. I'm your host, Vince Stover, joined by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Boy, got time of the year here with sports going on everywhere. So with Masters Week coming up here tomorrow and just, you know, air, air, all, all the sports are going right now. So a lot to keep up with. Well, almost all the sports. Yes, there's uh, uh, no no college football or real football. There is XFL and USFL, but nonetheless, uh, I know what you're saying. A lot of things happening. There is NFL news going on. NBA's wrapping down their season. NHL wrapping down their season. And Major League Baseball up and running as well. We're going to start our topics today with the NFL and uh, just this week, news came out that Mac Jones is being shopped by Bill Belichick. Four teams have reported they've talked with Bill Belichick, uh, that Bill Belichick has reached out to them about trading Mac Jones. Uh, does this surprise you at all? Um, no, because, you know, this year it looked like there was some kind of problem obviously going on there. Um, you know, with Mac Jones and, and just far as fitting in is concerned, it does make you wonder, and I'll be interested to see what your take on it is, because we haven't talked about this earlier, of, of, you know, what direction the Patriots are headed here. Um, is a chance, Lamar Jackson, does he fit into this? Is there something there with that? 
or, um, or you know, where are they going to go quarterback wise uh, if they go away from Mac Jones? What are they, you know, what are they thinking here? I wouldn't think it would be the draft as far as the starter next year. Of course, they started Jones right away when they got him. So uh, I don't know. What do you would What do you think that you know Belichick's thinking as far as quarterback? So first of all, I don't ever pretend to know what Bill Belichick's thinking. Um, so I always assume I have no clue what's going on in that man's mind. I wondered if maybe he was shopping him to a team like the Texans, trying to move up to get Bryce Young uh, and and go after one of these guys. Maybe he's got his eyes on a guy like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, um, where he's actually trying to trade Mac Jones to a team that he could go up and draft the guy he wants. Um, you know, I don't know. You've heard that Hendon Hooker has blown people away with his interviews and maybe maybe that's where Bill Belichick's looking, that he can draft Head and Hooker where, where they sit it in the first round. Um, you know, I who knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I would be shocked if Mac Jones gets moved because I don't think Belichick's gonna get what he wants for him. Uh, I think it would take it would take a, a haul uh in order for that to happen and in Bill Belichick's mind at least the haul. So, you know, is is Mac Jones worth a haul? No, but uh, at the same time. Why not? I guess maybe the thought process is what can we get out of them? If we can get something really good out of them, why not? We can do fine with the backups that we have now. And Mac Jones isn't going to bring us over the top. So let's see what we can get for. Maybe we get surprised by something. But I, I would be shocked if Jones gets traded. You know, last year he didn't really have any receivers to throw to. He's had what three different offensive coordinators. Right. Last year, the offensive coordinator was actually a defensive coordinator turned offensive coordinator. Give the guy a shot at something real. Um, I think you can do better than Mac Jones. I also think you can do worse than Mac Jones. Uh, so Belichick, I'm sure, has a plan. And uh, this just comes across to me more like testing the waters. Just make sure that we can't get something crazy for him. Uh, but ultimately, probably stick with him would be my guess. Because you you think Lamar Jackson would be a possibility in in there? No, I don't think I don't think it makes any sense for Jackson to go to New England. Um, I don't know. I I would be very surprised by that one. I think Lamar Jackson. He is such an interesting guy right now. You know, where does he end up? It seems like Baltimore makes the most sense for him, honestly. But I keep going to Indianapolis because. The coach for Indianapolis comes from Philadelphia. Philadelphia just successfully played ball with Jalen Hurts. Now, Lamar Jackson's a better athlete than Jalen Hurts and a better thrower than Jalen Hurts. Uh, but they, that similar style would be would make sense for Lamar Jackson. So what about – I've not heard this anywhere, so it's just my thought, but what about Arizona? What about trading Kyler Murray to Baltimore for Lamar Jackson? Uh, again, you got a guy in Arizona that came from Philadelphia. So again, commonality there. Plus, it seems like Kyler Murray doesn't have the respect of his teammates in Arizona. Would Baltimore be willing to take a shot with him? I, I have no idea. It just That's another spot that intrigues me. To me, Indianapolis, Arizona, or Baltimore are the three teams that make the most sense for Lamar Jackson. What are your thoughts on that? Um Again, I'm you know, very intrigued to see where he's going to end up. I don't know um, the Arizona thing, but I don't see how that be a straight-up trade, so I'm not sure um, how that would go there. Indianapolis makes a lot of sense. It's been interesting because, to me, they haven't said 
they were they've done maybe the best job of not tipping their hand. Where are they going to go on the draft? You know, are they going to try to move up? Are they definitely taking a quarterback? Do they have a plan? I think Lamar Jackson would be, you know, a good fit there and would work out. Like you said, he's got receivers. He's got the running back. Um, he's got, you know, some things that go along there. But um, I I don't know. Again, a lot of teams could benefit from Lamar Jackson. But, you know, is he going to – I, it almost seems like he's getting past the point of no return for Baltimore. Um, but you know, may, maybe not, it may all work out fine if he stays. So, um, you know, not sure, but I do think he can get in better situations as far as, uh, receivers and talent around maybe as what he has in Baltimore. Um, the question is, so, you know, what is he, what's his demands? If, if, you know, the deal is he has to have a contract like Deshaun Watson, I think, I think the owners were kind of together on this. I don't think they want to go down that road. So I don't know if he's going to get that. If that's the whole issue, then maybe, yeah, he will end up in Baltimore because they've franchised him. Um, but if, you know, if, if he'll find some middle ground and wants a better place to play, then maybe he'll move on. Um, like I said, the next two or three weeks, we're getting close to the draft here. So obviously we're going to hear more and more stuff, no doubt about it. Yeah, I uh, excuse me. I two teams. I, we mentioned Washington before. If they get new ownership and it's done in time for them to be able to start to do something, it makes sense for Washington to make a move as well. And then maybe another surprise team, Dan, would be Minnesota. Uh, Kirk Cousins is one of those guys. Everywhere he goes, people like him, but they always want someone different. And uh, so maybe Minnesota makes a move here and offers. Baltimore Kirk Cousins in a deal, um, you know, and 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 in return gets Lamar Jackson. I don't know. The NFC North right now, you can tell the teams have taken notice to the fact the Rodgers is going to be out of the out of the conference. Uh, Chicago's made a lot of offseason moves and has some draft capital to go along with it. Detroit has kind of cleared some different ways, but they've gotten better as well. Uh, Minnesota's that team that seems to have gotten worse in the offseason uh, by losing some key guys. So I'm waiting for Minnesota to do something crazy, and that's one that could could possibly be. Um, if you've got a team that's going to move a quarterback for Lamar Jackson, to me it seems like Arizona and Minnesota make the most sense. They have starting caliber quarterbacks that they can offer in return, sure, with other things. But that definitely has to be something Baltimore has to look at and go, well, we need a quarterback. <laughs> so so maybe one of those guys makes sense for him, too. I don't know. But you're right. A lot of it plays into the draft. The draft coming up very soon. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing uh, draft previews. And then the week of the, the Wednesday night before the draft, uh, we'll do our mock draft, which we did last year as well. And uh, and get that ready. You and I both did pretty well in the mock draft last year, actually, better than the uh, other pundits out there on ESPN and other places. So, um, so anyways, we'll do that again this year as well. But over the next three weeks, we're going to look at uh, previewing some different picks. We're not predicting necessarily anything now, but we're just going to talk through uh, these ten picks. And uh, so let's start at the top. Carolina Panthers trade up to the number one pick. I've heard a lot of people compare this to San Francisco when they traded up with the intention supposedly of drafting Mac Jones and ended up drafting Trey Lance after they traded up and then researched out the quarterbacks. 
I feel like Carolina didn't move to number one, guessing between two guys. I feel like they moved up to number one to get a guy. And I still tend to think that's CJ Stroud um, as opposed to Bryce. But I think Bryce Young is maybe the best quarterback in this draft, too. So I'm not really sure if they're if you can win at this situation for Carolina. But it just, I don't know. I, I just feel like CJ Stroud's the guy. I still might change that for our final mock draft. But at this point, that's the way I lean with Carolina. At the end of the day, they've got to get a quarterback at number one, and they've got to get the right quarterback at number one. So I don't think that's a question. The question is just which is the right quarterback for Carolina. Uh, where do you think Carolina's going? What's your thoughts on Carolina moving up the number one? Well, I think moving up for them made a lot of sense because I think it gives them a lot of flexibility. I mean, I think they will take the probably the number one pick and take a quarterback, but it does put them in a situation. Again, they've made some moves. They've brought some players in. Seems like they're setting up well if they can get, you know, the quarterback Um they want. Um, they could do something with that number one pick. Um, and still, you know, if it depends, you know, um, who they want. But I, I would think they they probably um, had a good idea who they wanted. And I think probably now they know which quarterback they want, unless there is still some, you know, flexibility. They're looking at other deals or options. And from everything I've heard and everything I've seen, I think for them, um, CJ Stroud makes makes maybe the most sense. Um, I think both quarterbacks are very good. I think there are several good quarterbacks in this draft, and a couple unknowns. You don't know how you know how, how good Richardson's going to be. He could end up being great. Um, you know, Levitz. You don't really know um, on that. We there may be four or five quarterbacks come out of this one. I think Hooker's going to be good. Now, whether he'll be able to play right away, I don't know. But, um, you know, you may look back at this draft like we have some of the others. There may be, you know, a lot of starting quarterbacks come out of this one in another year or two. Um, so it's probably a good year. And, and, you know, Bryce Young, a lot of ability there. I think if he's in the right place, um, you know, in the right system, but that's probably true with all of them. But it looks like Shroud is just the size-wise is maybe just more ready um, you know, to fit in wherever you could be. And again, with the coach there, a new coach in Carolina, that seems like that would be a good fit um, for him there. Uh, it'll be interesting if this draft holds out to the end, not knowing who they're going to pick. Uh, I can remember drafts in the past where, you know, at least a few days before the draft, it was all settled. You knew um, where where it was going to go. That may be. I I haven't delved into the whole first round yet, but it's just as I've looked and read and listened, um, this draft may be a little more predictable as far as you know the talent is concerned, as far as what order things are going to go in. Well, to a degree, I agree with you. I think the trades, though, are going to be rampant, and I think that's going to throw everything yeah. off. Um but at the top, it is only between two things. The one thing I just continue to think about, the only negative thing you hear about Bryce Young is his size. It's the only negative thing that you hear about him. C.J. Stroud, you hear, well, we've been waiting all season to see it. He finally showed it at the Georgia game. But up until then, there was a lot of question marks. Can he do it? Can he do it? But one game showed us he could. Well, again, that's one game. <laughs> so I agree. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be good. 
I just keep looking at this and thinking, my goodness, the professionals are telling us the only thing wrong with Bryce Young is his size. And all the other quarterbacks have question marks. To me, Bryce Young is the smart pick and the safest pick in this draft. I don't know that Carolina is going to look like that or not. I don't know if they care about the safe pick. Um, you know, I don't know. To me, Alabama quarterbacks do not have a history of being great in the NFL, but neither do Ohio State quarterbacks. Uh, so you're looking at these two guys from these two storied programs of guys that have won national championships, but not a lot of Super Bowls. Um, now, again, they're individuals. That's that's what really ultimately matters from this. I think if I was Carolina, I would go with Bryce Young, but I still think that they're leaning towards C.J. Stroud. And until we get to draft day, I don't think we are going to know. I think we'll have leaks and we'll have some reports, but you can't believe anything you hear until until the name is put in. Uh, so, you know, it's – I don't know. Panthers and Texans at 1-2, it's very simple. One of them takes C.J. Stroud. One of them takes Bryce Young. And that's the end. There is no reason whatsoever for the Texans or the Panthers to draft anyone other than one of those two quarterbacks. Will either of them take Anthony Richardson or Will Levis? I you know, I, I wouldn't think so. I think Houston's in a great spot because I think, you know, sometimes when you look at two quarterbacks, you know, you just don't know. And then you see the second quarterback really – you know, falls off. Of course, Ryan Leaf is the is the big example of that. Marcus Mariota would be in that category. Um, you know, a liner would be like that. Um, but I, I think here both of these are going to be good. So I, I think Carolina will get a good quarterback. I think the Texans will get a good quarterback, which is very important for them. Um you know, there, I'm sure they're doing, you know, their, their due diligence on both of them. Um, but again, I, and I think either quarterback, you know, will be going into probably a good situation. The Texans are a little further away. Um, but you know, with a new coach and everything, I think there'll be a lot of excitement there. And, um, I think both organizations have showed they're going to try to bring in help, um, you know, as soon as they can and as well as they can, um, from there, uh, obviously, uh, um, offensive line is going to be important, maybe especially for Bryce Young. Um, but I don't know that he had any real durability problems at Alabama. So I think that's the biggest thing with size is, you know, is there going to be a durability thing, which has happened with Kyler Murray, the way he's played. I remember watching Alabama some this year thinking, this Bryce Young is really good. I mean, he can really read things. He, he can move the offense. He Now, again, he was at Alabama, and he had a lot of weapons around him. But um, I think both of them are very talented, and both should have success and make it have success early. I'm more intrigued with the next three or four quarterbacks because, you know, they could end up being good, and I don't know how quick they're going to go. Um, so somebody could, and again, that's where your trades are going to come in. Somebody coming up to get a quarterback, um, there. Otherwise I think the draft will be kind of predictable, but, um, somebody's going to want to move up maybe and get these quarterbacks or will these quarterbacks go late first round, second round. We'll see. Yeah. I think when you say the draft's going to be predictable, I think that should tell you it's not going to be predictable at all. I mean, I think I think we're going to be really surprised by a lot of things in this draft. Um, pick number three is the Cardinals. 
I've heard a lot of people saying, well, the Colts should move up to number three to make sure they get their quarterbacks so nobody jumps them. Um, I'm of the belief that if the top two quarterbacks are off the board, I mean, the Colts shouldn't even take a quarterback. I wrote an article on this several weeks back on playupsports.com. They have options at number four. I don't think they should trade up to three. Um, I think they should just hold out because I don't think that the, the Raiders are going to jump up to three. I don't, I don't see anybody honestly jumping up to three for Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Um, do you think the Colts should move up to three to secure the third quarterback? Or do you think uh, it's, it's safe for them to stay at four? I would think it's safe for them to stay at four. And I guess if somebody, again, you know, you just don't know if somebody's got an eye on a quarterback and the third quarterback is exactly who they want, then maybe they could move up with Arizona. Uh, we will see. Arizona's interesting. I'm trying to think back. I guess in the last few years, they've done better. But I remember back a while ago, uh, I've always loved the draft and I've always followed the draft. And one of the exciting things in the NFL draft was whenever the Cardinals came up on the pick because they were going to do something absolutely crazy. They never they never did what you thought they were going to do. So it was always, wow, the Cardinals are going to pick. We'll see. Maybe they've done a little more, you know, traditional lately. I always think of that when I, you know, read everything and, well, here's exactly they're going to take this, you know, um, this linebacker. He makes the most sense. And, and, and that does make sense. It just, in some reason, in the back of my mind, I remember, the, you know, the Cardinals and makes sense. That never happened in the draft. So maybe it does now. Well, um, and, yeah. and again, it would benefit the Cardinals if somebody wanted to move up because who they're going to get, um, they could probably get a number of players that would help them. So, um, you know, may, maybe there is somebody that wants Anthony Richardson. I wouldn't think it would be Levitz, but um, may, maybe somebody's got an eye on him and says he's the guy we can develop. But I would think uh, Indianapolis would be safe staying at four. Again, it just depends how sold they are on a certain on a certain player. So reports came out this week that the Colts are going to select Will Levis with their pick at number four, um, which tells me is the Colts are trying to get someone to trade up to number three to draft Will Levis. And, um, I, you know, they're trying to get people off the scent of what they want to do. I assume it's Anthony Richardson. To me, if you're at that spot, that's the if you're going to go quarterback, that's who you go with at number four, not Will Levis. Will Levis is is he's he's just not it. I mean, he's just not the guy in the NFL. I promise you, I'm telling this, I'm trying to warn NFL teams, he's just not him. That being said, there was another report that came out that said uh that Levis could fall to the second round, which is not gonna happen. But so here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the car, the Colts telling people they're gonna draft Levis to get people to trade up a, and give up things and come up and get him because they don't want him. Then there's some team out there, uh, maybe the Titans, uh, someone in the, the middle of, of round one that wants Will Levis. And so they're trying to tarnish his value so that he gets to them. Uh, maybe it's New England. I don't know who it is. But there's some team out there that wants Levis to fall to them somewhere in the teens. And then there's the Colts who are trying to get people off of the scent of who they're going to draft and so you got the leaks coming out that they're going to take Will Levis. If Will Levis goes in the top four picks, 
I will be absolutely shocked. I, I just don't get it. And here's what I don't get. You mentioned it earlier that uh, Bryce Young played at Alabama, had a good line, and he he you know it makes sense for him to have a good line in the NFL. Mel Kiper loves Will Levis, and he's been talking up Will Levis as as he th- he would take him number one overall. Um, he thinks he's great, all this kind of stuff. But he keeps on bringing up last year, and he says, "Well, last season he didn't have a good offensive line, and he didn't have any great weapons." And I sit here going, "Okay, so if he gets drafted by the Texans, does he have a great offensive line and good weapons? No, 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 he doesn't. Uh, if he gets drafted by..." The Raiders, does he have a good offensive line and good weapons? He has better weapons than he had in Kentucky for sure, but not really. If he gets drafted by the Falcons, does he have a great offensive line? A great No. The reality is if you get drafted at the top of the draft, you're not going to have a great offensive line and great weapons. You might have one or the other or half of each or whatever it may be. But if a guy proves that he can't play unless he has a great offensive line and great weapons, is he going to be a stud NFL quarterback? No, he's not, because he's not going to have a great offensive line and stud weapons every single year of his career. Very few people do. Look at Joe Burrow, great weapons, but not a stud offensive line. And that's just the way it works sometimes. And so to me, Will Levis is not that guy. He is a an NFL quarterback, sure. Is he, and I've always said his ceiling is Ryan Tannehill. Like that's his ceiling and his floor is Blaine Gabbert. So somewhere in there is where uh, Will Levis is, and I just I would be shocked if he's drafted in the top four, top five. I would not be surprised if he drops into the 13, 14, 15 range uh, because I just don't think he's that guy, and I've got to think NFL teams are seeing it the same way I do. Um, so, I mean, the way I look at it, Dan, if I'm the top two teams, I'm taking Stroud and Young in whichever order. After that, I don't want to draft Richardson unless I'm like the Ravens or somebody like that. Uh, Washington, maybe. Levis, same way. I don't think the Colts need those guys. Wait until next year and get better quarterbacks. But we know that's not how it works in the NFL. You got to draft a quarterback if you need a quarterback, even if the quarterbacks aren't very good. That brings us to Seattle at number five, Dad. All kinds of question marks at number five. Do they take a quarterback if there's one there? They've got Geno Smith. They'd be a great spot for Anthony Richardson uh, to to learn behind Geno Smith or even for Will Levis, honestly, if that's what they want to do. I think they need to go build a winning team, and I don't think that's quarterback for them this year at number five. They've been uh, rumored to love Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, that some people didn't know how far he would drop after his legal incidences. Um, Jalen Carter and his agent sure seem to think he's going in the top 10. Uh, so Seattle could be a landing place uh, there for him as well. Do you think Seattle should go quarterback if one of the top four or they are there, or do you think they need to go somewhere else? I think they need to go somewhere else. I think they're set with Geno Smith, you know, right now. Um, I don't, I, I, where they're at, they, they need talent, and I think they'd be much better off with this being that high a pick um, to go ahead and get, you know, um, to get someone else um, rather than a quarterback with that pick. So I, I'd be a little surprised if they do. You know, you keep mentioning Washington. I think they're a team that could, would make some sense to trade up 
um, and get something there. And again, you know, we're talking about Indianapolis, um, but when you talk about like Lamar Jackson, in other words, if Indianapolis did something else with a veteran quarterback, then I don't know that they would take a quarterback, a young guy in the fourth pick necessarily from there. Again, they may like, they might like someone else down the line. I don't know. You know, most of the other quarterbacks have landing places right now, so I don't know that there'd be anybody else in the hunt. But um, I, you know, that that that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, if Indianapolis takes quarterback, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think uh, Seattle would there. Yeah, well, I mean, talking about veterans, they signed Gardner Minshew. Indianapolis did, and to me, that's a stopgap. I think Gardner Minshew and Geno Smith. I mean. I'd take Minshew over Geno Smith personally. So, I mean, you're looking at those two quarterbacks. I don't I don't understand the Geno Smith thing. I mean, I know what he did last year. I don't understand anyone thinking that Seattle's going to sniff the Super Bowl with Geno Smith as their quarterback. So the question is, is are you building, just kind of living with that, understanding we're not going to make the Super Bowl with Geno Smith, but let's build around and then get a quarterback another year? Um or do you make the move now this year? Again, to me, I don't think drafting Anthony Richardson or Will Levis is going to help them at all this year. Um, so if they want help for this year, they need to go a different position, and defense could be it. I mean, they're going to have their pick of the litter pretty much because at this point you're looking, we're assuming three quarterbacks are off the board, and then one defensive player, Will Anderson from Alabama probably, off the board as well, but trades could change all that, of course. Uh, Detroit comes in at number six. People try to try to make you believe that quarterback's an option at number six. I just don't see it here either. I think Detroit likes what they have and likes what they're doing. They've got some talented wide receivers on their team. They need a tight end. Uh, they signed three cornerbacks in the offseason. Cornerback has been the popular uh, pick for them here at number six. I tend to lean towards defensive linemen. Um, I think that Lucas Van Ness from Iowa is a perfect fit for Dan Campbell, but it might be too high for him at number six. Maybe they trade down, or maybe they go a different direction as well um, here in Detroit. But I, I kind of like what Detroit's been doing over the last couple of years. Dan Campbell's got something going on there, and I think Jared Goff is going to be fine. I'd take Jared Goff over Geno Smith right now, too. Um and I would take Jared Goff over Will Levis and Jared Goff over Anthony Richardson. So I don't know where they go. Uh, but to me, Dan Campbell, the one thing I look at when I'm trying to figure out what the Lions are going to do is I know Dan Campbell wants football players, stereotypical football players. And that's why I lean towards Van Ness uh, versus some of the other guys on the board. But they got to get better. And at pick six, they should have, again, a ton of opportunity here at number six. How do you feel about Detroit? Yes, I, I think they'll take defense, no doubt about that. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I looked at this, you know, because I knew we were going to talk about the first 10 and tonight, and I I, I agree kind of with uh, the, the people that you read. I, I think, you know, six of the first 10 picks will be defense. I don't think there'll be any doubt about that. A um, lot of edge rushers, so there's a lot of great talent there. There are some good defensive linemen. You said, and then you've got, you know, cornerbacks. You said six of the top 10 are going to be defense? 
Yes, yes. Oh, I, I think so. You have three quarterbacks, an offensive lineman, and the other six will be defense. I don't think there'll be any doubt about that. I think that's where the talent is. I think that's where people are going to be interested. The only thing that would change that would be someone trading up, you know, wanting to get the running back from Texas or, um, you know, another extra quarterback. Yeah, I, but John Robinson's not going to go in the top 10, I don't think. Now, he could go at 10. Philadelphia would be a great spot for him, by the way. Um, but I, boy, I guess six defensive players could go, but I think you have a chance for two offensive linemen. I think you have a chance for four quarterbacks. I think you have a chance for a receiver to jump up into that top 10 as well. Um, so I, I, I would go the uh, under six defensive players in the top 10 personally, uh, but that's for another day. To discuss. I had not paid attention to that or heard that necessarily, but I guess I can understand where that's coming from. But yeah, with Detroit, I think it makes sense for sure. There's you got the top cornerbacks right now on the board. There's there's a little fluctuation on who's considered to be the best cornerback. You got the kid out of Illinois and a kid out of Oregon that are getting a lot of attention. And um, and I tell you what, this kid from Illinois is getting a ton of publicity right now as this great tackler. Um, ready to go from day one kind of kid. It's in, it's going to be interesting to see where it all shakes out at. Las Vegas comes in at number seven. We used to know who the Raiders were going to pick, whoever was fast. Those days are gone. Now you got to look at it and go, okay, who would Bill Belichick draft? Well, the reality is we have no clue. So I expect a wild card at number seven uh, with Vegas. Um, there's a number of different directions they could go. I think if three quarterbacks are off the board, there's a chance a fourth one goes at number seven. I think if two quarterbacks are off the board, I think there's a really good chance a quarterback goes at number seven. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you got to look at cornerbacks here. I wouldn't be surprised if a receiver jumps up the board here as well as the kid from Ohio State, uh, Ninjigba Smith, is getting plenty of, plenty of publicity right now as well. He fits that mold. Um, but uh, I'll be interested to see where they go. They just hired another former Patriot on the staff in Amadola. So I expect it to be offense uh, ultimately here in, in Las Vegas. But again, I think the Raiders are a wild card here at seven, Dad. Do you agree with that? Um, yes, yes. But I, I mean, to me, I, it wouldn't make any any sense at that pick to go offense with them. I mean, they've got receivers. They've got a running back. Um, if you're going to go offense and go offensive line, um, you know, and help that situation there. Um, but I, I don't, you know, to add another receiver at that pick, boy, I, I, you know, oh, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand that at all. And I think again, you know, I think you got premier defensive players here in the top ten picks, and for people to pass them up, I think will end up being a mistake. Yeah, I'm not saying they should do this. I'm just saying when I look at the Raiders. I think unpredictable is the right word for them. And I don't see them doing the smart thing. I don't see them doing the predictable thing. I see them liking a guy and saying, we're going to go get our guy. And it could be somebody they could have gotten in the twenties if they traded down yet. It's a move they make in the top 10. That's just what I expect out of the Raiders. Um, for sure. I, I, I don't think you can predict what the Raiders will do. Um, Atlanta comes in as an interesting, oh, by the way, Raiders could be a spot for the first tight end off the board 
at number seven as they traded away Darren Waller. Right. And their other tight end was diagnosed with cancer. So they, they have a huge hole at tight end. And some people like the Notre Dame tight end. I don't like him that high, uh, but some people do. Uh, Atlanta, they've got weapons. Uh, they've they've spent spent high draft capital on offensive weapons the last couple of years. Desmond Ritter is supposedly the quarterback in Atlanta. They desperately need offensive line help. They need a couple of things. But to me, this is if where you see an offensive lineman go, whether it's the Northwestern kid or the Ohio State kid or someone else. Um, I think Atlanta goes offensive line. To me, that's the easiest pick of the first the, the first 10, 10 picks. Yes, I would agree with that. That makes the most sense, and that would be their need. So I would, And I think at least one offensive lineman will go in the top 10. So. Yeah, I think the Falcons and the Bears are prime spots for offensive linemen. Uh, the Bears need defensive linemen too. So, you know, again, depending on how things shake out, how things fall, they could go that direction. Cornerback's another interesting spot for both Atlanta and Chicago at 8 and 9. Um, to me, there's a whole lot of opportunity at 8 and 9 especially depending on how the first seven picks goes where you could be picking the top cornerback or the top offensive lineman at these picks. So uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a wait and see how it gets here. Don't be surprised that if Chicago moves up to that five spot uh, to take the Seattle spot uh, and, and try to go get Jalen Carter from Georgia, the defensive lineman as well. But Chicago sitting at nine traded down from number one, uh, again, they've they've done some things this offseason at wide receiver. They've done some things on the defensive side. Their biggest gaps right now are O-line and D-line, and it feels like at number nine, if that's where they stay, they're going to have to do something to address those needs. Yes, no, I, I I think that would make sense. Again, you know, I to me, I think the Bears are like you talked about with some other teams. You do, you don't really know what they're going to do. They don't always do necessarily what makes sense. Historically, they would they would you know um, pick up some on defense, and again, there's going to be good defensive players there. So, um, but yeah, they're in a good spot, and they've made some moves. So it'll be they should be able to help themselves there. Everybody in this first ten can help themselves if they'll do the right thing. Yeah, Philadelphia's in at ten, which you're talking about a team that was in the Super Bowl picking a number ten via trade. Um, this is a team that they could go a number of directions here. They're aging in some areas. They could use cornerback help for sure. And I said it earlier when you brought him up, Bajan Robinson, the running back out of Texas, to me makes all kinds of sense here for Philadelphia. But it seems like teams are too afraid to draft a running back that high uh, because there is value in later rounds. So I don't know if they will go Bajan Robinson. To me, though, that is just the ideal fit uh, for that system and for what he can do. But again, I think cornerback's a huge opportunity here for Philadelphia. Uh, defensive line is an opportunity here too. There's not a ton of great top 10. I don't know that there's maybe one top 10 linebacker, um, but nonetheless, Philadelphia, to a degree, they're an open book here too. I think they have a lot of options here at number 10 and possibly even trade out of this pick too, but uh, pretty great for a Super Bowl team to pick number 10, don't you think? It is, it is, it is. But again, you know, they they have lost some players here, and they do did lose both offense and defense coordinators. So this will be kind of a interesting year, you know, for them coming up. So I think the draft will be important. And uh, again, you know, I I would think 
they're in a spot, like you said, being coming out of the Super Bowl, um, they can take the best player um, available, and it'll be a help to them no matter what. And again, another spot where if there's the number four quarterback is still on the board, this was the spot where people are sniffing to move up and get that guy, whether it's Levis or Richardson. Um, I think Richardson will be the third quarterback drafted, and that leaves Levis as number four. Um, but And you're hearing more and more talk about Hendon Hooker too, but it seems like people would rather get Hooker in the second round. Um, so, you know, number 10 is a spot to, to watch that could get moved as well. Next week, we'll look at picks 11 through 20 and uh, plenty to talk about with those picks. Uh, with the, the Jets at number 13, do they keep that pick or do they trade it? And the Packers at number 15, of course, we love to talk about those things as well. All right, uh, let's see here. Um, we talked about Jalen Carter a couple times, brought him up. Um, again, his, I mean, they're only visiting top 10 teams. Uh, Jalen Carter, it feels like, again, his legal situation wasn't, it wasn't the same as as other things. The biggest things that concerns me with him is the fact that he weighed more and couldn't, uh, could, didn't have the energy to do the drills at Pro Day. That scares me. But I feel like Jalen Carter's going anywhere from number five to number 10. He could even go number three, but I think it's number five to number 10. How do you feel about Jalen Carter? Well, I I won't be surprised if he drops out of this. One, when I heard, you know, he's only going to visit top 10, um, you know, the top 10 picks, teams. To me, that's an agent trying to force a situation. I think this deal, I think there are some definite questions about character and I especially about being in shape. Um, from there. And um, I'm sure everybody will do their due diligence, but if he's only visiting the top, you know, top 10 teams, and I wonder if he could drop more, he goes out of that top 10, all of a sudden people didn't, you know, um, get to bring him in. Now, again, he's got great potential, but again, I haven't studied him super closely, but when you look at the defense, they're supposed to be great edge rushers. There's people I don't think there's a lot of question about. Boy, these guys are going to really improve a defense right now. I don't know that you take uh, uh, that high a pick, five, six, whatever, um, or three, and say, well, I'm going to take a chance on a guy that was out of shape and has had some questions or whatever. I think there's other people that are a lot safer, so it won't shock me. Now, I don't think Jalen – you know, Carter would drop very far, but um, could he go at least down to 12 or a little lower? I think he could, but um, we'll know more as time goes on. Yes, we will. And remind people about righteous felon jerky. Uh, if you want the purest jerky in the game, you got to go straight to the source, and righteous felon has done just that. They've partnered with the best natural black Angus beef producers in the land. To lock up supply and guarantee the best tasting, best textured, and freshest beef jerky on the market, visit RighteousFelon.com. Use promo code BELLYUP. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. Dad, Major League Baseball is in full swing, and it has been an absolute blast watching these first couple series of the season. We are down to one undefeated team in Major League Baseball. That's the Tampa Bay Rays. And then there are two teams that only have one loss, the Atlanta Braves, and the Milwaukee Brewers. 
and, and I look at this early part of the season, and my question is, are there any surprise teams here early on this season in Major League Baseball? We're only six games in. Uh, some teams have played seven, but any surprise teams positively or negatively so far to start the season? Yes, I, I think there are some of both. Again, you know, we've only played for a week, so it's hard to say. But I think on the positive surprises, to me, it's been Texas and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, from there, they've they've they both played well so far. Whether that'll continue, I don't know. Um, but both of those, the Pirates um, and um, and and you know the Rangers both have been surprising to me. The team disappointingly that's been a surprise have been the Phillies. Uh, the fact that they've probably started you know as rough as they have. But like you said, I've listened to you a lot on the um, on the fantasy show, and it does depend on who you're playing. And some teams have played easier teams, some plays harder teams so far. Um, but those are the teams that stuck out to me. Yeah, and, and that is the case. In the first couple of weeks, you can't just look at standings because some people have played Detroit and other teams have played Atlanta. So you gotta, you got to look at that a little bit. So one of the things I look at is point differential or run differentials uh, as well to get started with the season. Um, and so I'm going to go the Angels as a surprise team. They're 4-2. and two. Uh, They have a plus 13 run differential. And, uh, and I like, they've been won all their games, all their games so far have been on the road. So four and two from all road games. That's a team that stands out to me. Tampa is a surprise too, being undefeated, even though they've had, uh, somewhat easier matchups. Um, yeah, Philadelphia is the easy one as far as disappointed in the negative sense, but I'll also go St. Louis. Um, St. Louis is a team that should be really good. Their starting pitching has been rough, and we knew that it was going to have some issues. They have some injuries already, um, and so does Philadelphia. But um, two and four start, uh, all of those at home, they lost three straight. To me, that's a team you go, well, they should be a whole lot better than they are. Um, so they have been a, a disappointment. You're right, Pittsburgh at four and two. Um, again, they've got a plus two win run differential. They won three straight, which is good. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, I don't trust Pittsburgh as far as I can throw them, but Atlanta, we talked about the NL East all last season and they were close the whole time. It seemed like until towards the end, Atlanta's five and one, no other team is above 500 in the East three and four and three and four for the Mets and the Marlins. And then Philadelphia and Washington one and five, you talking about disappointment. Uh, you should reach out to your Philadelphia source sometime this week and see how he's feeling because I guarantee you it, it is not good. Texas has been good. You mentioned them. Um, Houston, three and four, but they're injured and banged up. I'm not too worried about them yet. Um, outside of that, Kansas City, the worst team at one and four. Of course, Philadelphia and Washington right there uh, as well. And actually, technically, they would be worse than KC. But I'm not sure Kansas City is going to win too many games this year from seeing some of their early games as well. Um, Toronto, though, aren't they disappointing? They're two and three. Uh, they are negative eight run differential. All their games have been on the road as well. So there's there's some different things. Of course, they're playing right now, I believe. Yeah, they're playing the Royals as we record this. Um, but anyways, it's been a fun start to the season. We've seen the new rules impacting the game. 
Uh, first of all, it's a lot easier to watch, and I like watching baseball. This pitch clock has really made things easier to watch because it's constant action. I've yes. been so impressed by this pitch clock. I wasn't sure. I wasn't anti-pitch clock, but I wasn't sure if it was going to make really that big of a difference. It has made a huge difference in watching these baseball games. No, it, it really does move right along. I like that. Um, yeah, I think baseball is off to a great start, and I, it looks like the rule changes um, you know, have been good. I think the deal of not having the big shifts, I think that's been good. And the games do move right along. I've paid a little more attention. I've listened to and watched a few more games already. And like you said, it just it moves right along before you know it. You're in the next inning where it used to seem like a really drug and drug, um, especially at the end of the, end of the game there. So I think that was good. I think I think you're right. You know, Atlanta really does look good so far, and they should be. Um, St. Louis, you're right, has been disappointing. I was intrigued. What do you think about the, this early in the year, the coach calling out a player, um, you know, for not giving the best effort on that deal last night with um, um, the guy getting thrown out at home? I did not see that. Yeah, the Cardinal manager was called out. O'Neill said it was um, it, it was not acceptable when he rounded third, trying to go home and got thrown out. Um, O'Neill uh, defended himself today and said he's always been a scrappy player. And the coach responded by saying, "You know, no, that's not acceptable." And I, I thought that was kind of interesting for this early in the year. Uh, I don't know if he, he's trying to set a press or whatever the case might be. Uh, it was a great throw by Okuna, and it was a it was a sharply hit ball. But apparently, the coach felt like he was a, he he did not round the base correctly and give his best effort. Well, I did not see that. Um, that is interesting. But I have filed it under what you said, setting the tone. Uh, this is the time to do that. Uh, if you're going to come in lackadaisical to start the season, especially a team that's not winning to start the season, you've got to set that tone with these guys. And they've got rookies that are working their way up through the system right now. Uh, young guys working their way up through the system right now. you got to light a fire. You shouldn't have to light a fire at this point in the season. But if you do, now's the time to do it. Um, the other rule has been you know, the, the, bases, the base size going up and the clock rules and the pitching rules have already – seen a ton of bases get stolen. Uh, two players, three players already have four stolen bases on the season. Two of those are Baltimore Orioles, Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo. Miles Straw from Cleveland also has four. Then there's five guys with three steals and a million guys with two steals uh, and some guys with one steal as well. So we've seen more base running, uh, a little bit more strategy early on in this this season so far as well. And uh, I'll tell you what, I it's just been really fun. I've really enjoyed Major League Baseball so far this season. I listen to it when I'm at work, when there's day games. I watch it when I get home uh, in the evening. Last night, we, as a family, we sat down and watched baseball. Uh, I had to make my kids. But still, uh, we did that as a family, and we had a good time, good time doing it uh, also. Um, college basketball, Dad, we need to wind up the show. But uh, UConn. Wins the national championship. Um, uh, I, they were just dominant the entire tournament. They were clearly 
the best team in this tournament. Uh, at least in the games they played, they didn't seem to have very many issues. So congrats to UConn. Any final thoughts on the college basketball tournament or UConn's win? Well, again, you know, we kind of, we talked about it last week. UConn had played dominantly and boy, they sure continued on that way. So there was no arguing about that. But I, I think for us college basketball, the story of the weekend was the girls tournament. That was really fun to watch. Uh, I did now, again, the guys tournament, you know, it was later, so I didn't pay, you know, it was Monday night, so I didn't stay up and watch that. But uh, me and your mom stayed up and watched every bit of the girls' championship game because it was, a, you know, um, we're actually the, the semifinal game getting into it and then really did keep up with the game as far as uh, the girls' championship. I think that did a lot for girls' basketball, no doubt about it. Um, you know, there was, it, it was really good basketball to watch in the semifinals, uh, and in the finals. And it'd be interesting to see how that impacts in the future. Cause there's already been talk about, um, you know, the NCAA being able to, or the girl ladies getting their own package for the tournament. And I think it'd be interesting to see, cause it's a little ways away, but if next year, all of a sudden there are more fans that say, Hey, there's a girls game on. You remember that when we watched last time, of course, the, you know, Caitlin Clark was a real driver in a lot of things. Of course, LSU had a great team, um, you know, uh, had a had a very um, flamboyant coach, a uh, very good coach. And, again, that, that was a lot of good basketball to watch. I think the girls' tournament some ways overshadowed maybe the guys in some ways as far as just watching basketball. Yeah, and it had drama, too. The guys' basketball game didn't. Um, you know, and, uh, I'll probably just kind of clear the drama aspect of the girls basketball, but yeah, you're right. The product they put on the floor was very good, uh, entertaining. And now you've got a storyline for next year too, uh, with these girls coming back that had great seasons this year, they're around for another year. So opportunity arises there as well. Um, and I'm excited about next basketball season. I know, again, I cover Eastern Kentucky. Um, their five best players announced they're all coming back next season. Um, the best player on the girls team announced she's coming back next season, which was, uh, to me, at least a surprise um, and a great opportunity for the teams just to, to get better. And, uh, you know, I know there's there's uh, sights set on on the NCAA tournament next season already. So high expectations for the teams that I follow, which is always fun as well. All right, Dad, anything else we need to talk about tonight? Nope. Like I said, a lot going on. Um, you know, we got the, the Masters this week. That's going to be interesting to watch. It's always fun as far as a lot of tradition. And of course, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot on the side um, to see how that goes with the golfers and everybody getting along. So we'll see. The golfers will get along just fine. Uh, all right. Very good. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, no local hour this week, but we're back Sunday night for the Fantasy Baseball show. Uh, even though it's Easter, we are going to have a program. And then uh, Wednesday night, we'll be back. Me and Dad will be back talking sports, continuing our NFL draft preview as well. Don't forget to visit RighteousFelon.com. Use that code BELLYUP for 15% off your purchase. And follow us on social media at Sports Stove, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.